welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Hello, Epiphany Fellowship. This is very important today. Um, The message, uh, because we're talking about um, very sensitive matter about sexuality. I want to let you know for those who have children uh, that, you know, parental advisory, not from like raunchy perspective, but just if you haven't introduced your kids to some things about sex, uh, today may be a bit of a, uh, you know, they, they would have a challenges wrapping their minds around it. So what I want you to do is I want you to Consider either having them in another room or waiting to another time to watch the message today uh, when you can do it without that. Or, you know, I would encourage you if you have children that you have talked to about uh, talk to sex, talk to them about sex, um, that you would encourage them to listen and squirmishly um, because I don't doubt that maybe even this may be helpful for some of your kids to kind of help them if they've been molested and being able to ask them some questions or raped and um, and even to deal with some stuff in your own life. I encourage you to share this message with as many people as possible because I, I do believe that this is something that a lot of people are dealing with, sexual strongholds. And so, um, I, I, yeah, let's, let's dig in. Love you. Let's do it. I want to go ahead and dig into our message today. Um, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses 12 through 20. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says the two will become one flesh. Anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that you that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. Today, in our Stronghold series, I want to talk to you about overcoming sexual strongholds. Let's pray. Lord, you are our God, and you are the one that bought us with a price, and we need to see things from your perspective, even sex and sexuality. Lord God, I really don't care how long this is today, to be honest. I may have to break it up in two, but um, I'm, I'm praying that everyone, myself included, really takes seriously 
this reality of dealing with our sexual brokenness and our desperate need for sexual restoration in you, Lord God. And so, God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and the king himself, King Yeshua, the redeemer's name, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, overcoming sexual strongholds. Um, <laughs> don't turn it off. You know, I know some of y'all may not, I'm not watching this or you're afraid to deal with it or you're dealing with it with a bit of apprehension. Um, some of you may be dealing with uh, coming in like I need to get it. I'm excited to be able to delve into this. And one of the things that I'm honest about is my lifetime of struggles with overcoming sexual strongholds. Um, you know, one of the things with being a believer, and it's it's a it's just something you're going to have to fight for a lifetime, men and women. Hear me, family. It's one of those things. I'm a pastor, but I have to fight uh, being a sexual fool. Uh, if, if every now and then I got to let y'all know that I'm human being that need the gospel just as much, if not more, than you do, and so. With that uh, uh, being um, um, a reality, I'm, I'm always seeking the Lord about working and developing me through my sexual brokenness and how I shepherd my children um, through that and praying to the God Almighty that my sexual brokenness doesn't find its way into it. The effects sexual brokenness can have on a marital relationship. The, the effects sexual brokenness can have on uh, your singleness. And um, it's a constant fight for both singles and married people. Uh, let, me, let me give you something real quick, single people. Marriage does not solve your sexual brokenness. <laughs> Marriage exposes it even more. Um, and you said, well, you get to have sex. You know, well, you, it's a lot of dynamics to marriage that, you know, you don't want to make assumptions about. But, you know, when we talk about sexual brokenness and we talk about singleness and marriage marriage was never meant to fix it, it can relieve aspects of sexual desires but it doesn't uh heal sexual brokenness the gospel has to do that you don't have sex to deal with brokenness in sexuality you need the gospel through the word of god good healing um mechanisms in order that for that to happen and so um and one of the things i want to let you know is that you can be a virgin and be sexually broken. And somebody said, how is that in a multitude of ways based on how you're educated? We're going to talk about that later. There's so many ways that even as a single person, you can be being trained to be sexually broken. Even in your self-righteousness about being a virgin, you could be building yourself up in sexual brokenness. So it is multifaceted and applies to everyone. Um, it was a guy um, that once was dealing with a lot of lust uh, in his life, and he, and he said, man, I'm just going to become a eunuch. He uh, cut his situation off and ended up realizing that it didn't get rid of his imagination or his eyes. And so um, one guy said, I'm going to gorge my eyes out. He gorged his eyes out. He still had the memories in his mind and all different types. So, so I'm just trying to tell you, that the, listen, there is no physical solution to your sexual brokenness. 
<laughs> and we'll talk about Jesus's euphemism later. I hope y'all ready to ride with me. So let's let's talk about some things. So when we look at the idea of strongholds, remember, they'll put this up. Our definition of strongholds is a stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. A mindset, value system, thought process that hinders your growth. So that's like the overarching definition for the series when we're looking at the idea of strongholds. However, we're boring down to into different um, types of strongholds, and this is the way I would divine, uh, de uh, define a sexual stronghold. A sexual stronghold, what is it? It's a mindset, thought process, or value system about sex that impacts your ability to understand, enjoy, and benefit from it from God's perspective. Let me say that again. It's a mindset, thought process, and or value system about sex that impacts your ability to understand, enjoy, and benefit from it, meaning sex, from God's perspective. So, in other words, remember, a stronghold is a mindset, a way of thinking. And so, in every area of our life where God has a standard for what something should be, for what something is like, and how he defines it, a stronghold is anything that attempts to redefine what God has already defined and manufactured. That's very important for you to keep in mind as you go and we walk through um, this text and we walk through um, this section. So as we talk about strongholds, let's let's open with some 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 some, some uh, I guess a picture, if you will, of some strongholds and what causes sexual strongholds. Uh, um, th these are some things that causes sexual stronghold these are not all of them but i tried to think of as many as i could as as i thought about what 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 initiates the existence of strongholds in our life of course the fact that sin is in the world and we have indwelling sin you know of course that's the central mechanism but what are its symptoms and in other words what are the ways in which it fleshes itself out in our sexuality indwelling sin number one no biblical understanding of sex <laughs> Like many times when you don't have a biblical understanding of sex, um, what will begin to happen is the world and the enemy and even bad parenting can influence you being shaped by a view of sex could, that can even seem moral even like. Uh, um, uh, um, and and, I'll, and again, I'm gonna break all of that down, but it's very, very important. But then, just some whack views of sex, like sex is, uh, uh, it, it, you know, uh, uh, um, I'm not j being biblically informed by it. Even in the church, not talking about it, um, it can cause people to not have a biblical understanding of sex. And the church needs to talk more about sex because people, they, y'all are having it, especially in this pandemic. Some of y'all are having y'all some sex. Y'all having some sleepovers, y'all having some meetups, um, you know, y'all masking up and getting it in. I'm, I'm just going to be straight up with, and you know, I'm just trying to let y'all know that, that the church has to talk about it and deal with it, you know, um, because they, we, people having sex. Um, next, bad teaching on sex. Um, bad teaching on sex, for example, can be just be always saying don't have sex and not teaching a redemptive framework for God's purpose for sex. That's that's the other side of it, right? And it can almost 
You can almost learn even in your family, like particularly those who are virgins and your motivation maybe for being a virgin may be, man, sex is bad. And so you get married and you have a hard time assimilating into a sexual relationship with your spouse because you've been taught all your life that sex is bad. And your mind, even though you were a virgin, um, you had a sinful understanding of something God created, right? Again, no teaching on it. We already said something about that. Number four, being taught that sex is inherently bad, you know. Um, it's a form, you know, uh, uh, of, uh, I don't know, Gnosticism or something. It's crazy, right? Um, others is educated by culture. We shouldn't let parents, we shouldn't let culture beat us to talking to our kids about sex. And I'm telling you, they talking about it. Kids are saying, oh, listen, remember when we was little and the stuff we were saying in elementary school. Now imagine a internet in existence. <laughs> and and social media in existence and shows that are readily available. Like we had to wait till a show came on until we could watch it or the rerun, you know. And then maybe you had a VHS or Betamax that could record it. Now you could just on demand it, and your kids are being exposed to all kind of stuff through YouTube, YouTube TV, uh, Hulu, man, Voodoo, all of this stuff. And so. You know, I'm t and kids are talking to each other about things because everybody's family isn't um, kind of helping underexpose them. Please bear with me in the introduction here. Um, and so they're being overexposed to sex. And you come in and you're like, where did they find this out from? They got friends and they got chats and they got emails. And they're, it, listen, y'all better help somebody today. Um, educated by culture, bad experiences with sex. Okay. Some of those bad experiences could could be um, you were pressured into sex. Um, rape can cause a bad understanding of sex and molestation um, because you can have a very, very difficult time assimilating into a godly relationship in marriage because of molestation. And if a husband or a wife of a, of a spouse doesn't understand their sexual history and what happened to them, they'll see the challenges in the bedroom as rejection versus seeing it as something that they need to get over in their past. And that's why you need premarital counseling to work through some stuff because you'll think that your spouse is not attracted to you. But when you are having sex with them, it may remind them or they have flashbacks to some of their bad interactions that they had in the past, which they have to heal from. And I'm not saying you being raped and you being molested is sinful. Uh, I'm just talking about the stronghold that comes in your mind about sex because it hasn't been redeemed yet. All right. All right. So it's still a stronghold, right? Being taught to use sex as a means of manipulation. You know, that's another one. You know, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm get his sex up so I can get this bourbon bag I'm a, or whatever it is. Right. Sugar mama, sugar daddy, whatever. Right. Um, Prostitution um, can mess a person up. I know someone that was sex trafficked uh, and and she's working through that over 17 years later. And what's that going to be like for her when she gets married? Being sex trafficked, right? Um, pornography affects your view of sex. We've talked about that in our biblical view of sex series, right? And how porn creates a fantasy reality that's impersonal and doesn't allow you to see the interpersonal um, reality of what sex was meant to be okay statutory rape some somebody you may have um, been consensual but you weren't emotionally mature enough for that con for your being consensual to be mature and so somebody may have turned you out 
20, you, they 25, you, you 15, 16, 17, you know, and just messed you up, right? So, 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 so that's, that's another, can create a stronghold in relation to sex. Incest, um, in a family, you gotta watch your children, how they interact with each other, making sure that they don't do nothing crazy. You, you got, uh, listen, y'all, this is deep, y'all. We going we going into the we scuba diving today. Um, romance novels. Some of y'all are into romance novels that create a fantasy view of relationships and sex. You know, um, sexuality as social as as social versus a biological and theological reality. And that's the whole idea of the trans. Uh, and and I got to touch on this LGBTQ community as sexuality not being biological and theological, but social based on your social choice. And so we have to work through those things, right? We have to work through all of those things. And so when we, when we look at this, I, I got to get in here. I got so much more to intro on that. But as we get into Paul's letter, he's talking to the Corinthians um, because the Corinthians um, just don't have a biblical worldview, period. I mean, it's like they got saved and just <laughs> did, don't even know what to do with their spiritual life. They just they just inserted whatever culture said. It's unbelievable. Right. And many of you have done the same thing. Many of you don't have a biblical worldview. And the reason why I know that you don't is because when 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 the church does something biblical, you have a unbiblical response to it. So it's a sign that you don't even think biblically about things. You always, in other words, everything that, there has to come to a point in your walk with Jesus Christ that when God says something, you're not hyper questioning everything. I understand having questions and struggling through things, but your whole Christian life can't be questioning every single thing. Your maturity gives you the ability to have your senses trained to know the difference between good and evil, Hebrews 5, 14, right? So here we go. Um, first point, our minds must be renewed about sex. Our minds must be renewed about sex. Um, verse 12, it says, everything is permissible for me, but everything isn't, uh, uh, but, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is interesting. So if you notice, if you're reading the CSB, he puts, you know, the translators put this in quotes. And the reason why they put two different quotes around this is because the first everything is permissible is what the Corinthians is saying. The second part, the B part of the verse, everything is permissible, is Paul then his response. So what's beautiful about this is Paul is challenging the church's unbiblical use of general real truth, right? So look at what it says. Everything is permissible for me. In other words, they're basically saying I can do what I want. That's basically what they're saying. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm free and things don't matter like it used to matter, right? Everything is, benef uh, uh, everything is permissible to me. But then he says to them, but everything isn't beneficial. So Paul basically tries to help them to give some order to the way that they're thinking about things because they tend to take general rules as a way to just do it in the heck they want instead of saying, now nah, that there are biblical limitations on everything. Now remember, this is in the context of sex. Please stay with me. Then he says, everything is permissible for me. And then he says, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is amazing, right? And so Paul takes these cultural cliches that have some truth to them 
and, and challenges them because they're utilizing these cultural cliches or slogans in order to justify their sinful actions. And so Paul's response to it is to give these people a biblical perspective on what that means. I know some translation says all things are lawful for me. In other words, everything's okay. There's nothing against the law spiritually for me. And Paul says, nah, um, not all things are permitted for you. So when you're a believer, you have spiritual breaks on your life. <laughs> in, in other words, you have freedom. Freedom is, and it's beautiful. And, and some, some of you think limitations means to not be free. But limitations is always a sign of freedom. Always. From Genesis. Listen, listen. When God told Adam and Eve, <laughs> he said, you, you shall not eat. You should eat from you can eat from any tree in the garden. As a matter of fact, you can till the ground around the entire globe and, 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 and plant more trees. You have the entire globe and this garden to enjoy, right? He said, but there's one, one tree you can't eat from. One tree. And they saw the devil trick them, stronghold, trick them into believing that that one tree was greater than a globe full of trees. And see, the enemy will always teach you that what God has made off limits is restricting, is legalistic, is too, is unloving. And that's what the enemy, he, he loves to make you think what's off limits isn't a sign of freedom. No, the freedom is the ability. Freedom is a sign. Listen, help me today. When, when God frees you through Christ, you're free to say no to the wrong things, yes to the right things. When you don't know God, being in bondage means you don't know the difference. And so you need to understand that that is, is the way in which we as believers need to work. When he says not everything is beneficial, he's means not advantageous. It's not appropriate. And it doesn't, listen, I love this, what this lexicon says. It says, <coughs> lacking the ability to achieve a particular end. What's the particular end? God's ends. We're going to talk about that. It's, it's crazy. God's desired ends. He says, but I, I like the way he says all things in the verse, he talks about the whole, everything is permitted or permitted for me. But then he says, but I will not be mastered by anything. Lord have mercy. No, I like this because the word mastered means controlled. <laughs> now, the word here is where we get the word exousia from. Exousia, which, which is the word for power and authority. In other words, he's saying, he's saying, listen. Everything is permissible to me, but I won't let anything in my life have more control over me than God. Does your sexuality have more control over you by God or does your, is your sexuality a compass for how you view all of life? That, that's very, very important. In other words, I don't want anything mastering me. I, I don't want to give anything in my life access to master me. I have one master. The Bible says you can't serve two masters, right? And so when we, when we, when we work our minds around the reality of uh, um, allowing a porn and allowing our need uh, uh, um, to be sexually relieved to master our lives and we will we build our lives around sexual relief and even our sexuality we end up making sex and sexuality our God and so we're just building a foundation <laughs> um, now they come up with another slogan this is this this is crazy it's funny right they, they, he said, food is for the stomach and stomach for the food. That's true to a certain extent, right? Food has more than that. I mean, stomach has more purpose than just food. 
and food has more purpose than just being in my stomach, right? Um, but that, that was a slogan. And he said, <laughs> this was funny about what Paul says. Paul jamming them up hard. He says, and God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. So basically, they use this slogan to say, see, look, food is for the stomach, stomach for the food. So they would say, put there, look, my body part is for sex, my body is for sex and sex is for my body. So they're making the ultimate purpose of their body sexuality. And Paul comes against that. It says, no, the body is not for immorality. He said, that's what you're really saying. It's for immorality. But he says, no, but it's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What does it mean, uh, 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 um, 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 the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body? The, uh, the Bible says, give your body a living sacrifice. But then it says, set aside Jesus as Lord in your heart. So both together are a merger, if you will, of the perfect storm of a reality of us living in an eternally symbiotic relationship with the living God. So what we see here is that our body is for God and everything else comes under, listen, the umbrella of God being ultimate, that, and, and, and which sex comes under that. Now, if you don't understand, see, most of us would think, well, if my body for the Lord, that means I can't have sex. That's not it, <clears throat> because sex was created by God. The issue is, is doing it on his terms. Is doing it on his terms. And so when, when we look at how Paul is breaking this down, he's really trying to help us realize this. So when, let's look at this word, immorality. The word for immorality um, is, is an interesting word in the language. It's the word porneia, where we get our word pornography from. Pornography from. Stay with me. Building a foundation. Where we get pornography from. Food is for the stomach and stomach for the food. Then he said, then he talks about sexual immorality. So what are we talking about? What constitutes immorality in the Bible? It's going to be on the screen. What constitutes it? Let's go. Fornication is really the word for porneia. Um, and um, sexual immorality, it means with the opposite sex, you know, or, you know, that's the foundational meaning of it, even though it includes, <coughs> porneia includes all of these. So all of these go up under um, 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 for, uh, pornography or sexual immorality, right? That's all one word. Adultery, sexual sexual intercourse with the opposite sex. I got all the scriptures there. Homosexuality um, is sexual intercourse with the same sex. And let me say this. <clears throat> uh, homosexuality, lesbianism um, is not, is it, 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 the act itself. And, and that's very important to, to understand how the Bible defines it. <clears throat> it's not describing the, the wrestle with it. It describes the act of actually doing it. Um, now, somebody going to look at me like I'm crazy, but mental lust and masturbation. So somebody would say, well, how is masturbation wrong? We're talking about masturbating uh, as an application of mental and vi uh, visual lust. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? Let me turn there real quick because I'm going to have to read that one because I know some of y'all and then, and then you're going to have more questions about it instead of just believing what the Bible says. And you're going to ask questions, some of you all, because you're, you, you want to be committed to not doing the biblical thing. So what you're going to do is you're going to have, and it's nothing wrong with having questions 
about certain things, but some of our questions is about us wanting to just continue to be rebellious. So I want you to just take the rebellion out your head right now, because some of y'all already are wrestling with it. And it's just rebe it's rebellion. Just call it what it is. It's not me being harsh. It's you being rebellious. That's what it is. Look at what the text says in Matthew 5, 27. He said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. He says, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in uh, with her in in his heart right so you're not even looking at her you're just or looking at him you are you are having sex with them in your mind but it's not even saying sex it's even uh pursuing the the passion in your mind of being with that person illegitimately but it says then it says if your right eye causes you to sin gorge it out talking about the uh, you know get, getting rid of anything that's a gateway for you to want to have sex with the person mentally or physically. For it is better that you lose all the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Look at what it says next. And if your right hand causes you to sin, why is he talking about eyes and right hands? Why is he, talk, why is he talking about eyes and hands? He's talking about eyes and hands here because you're, you're not touching the person, you're looking at them and you're using your hand. What are you using your hand on? Yourself, men and women struggle with masturbation and when you when you um when you basically um masturbate watch porn mental um, mental imagination um you know you begin to create an impersonal relationship with sexuality that's not meant to be it's supposed to be, it's meant to be personal and intimate Right. Um, and, 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 and then you create yourself to you. You create a sexual selfishness. In other words, you will learn to climax yourself. Right. That's what it's about. It's about you. And so when you so in getting in a relationship, it's just about you being satisfied and that type of thing. Right. And so the gospel calls us to look in marriage to make sure that our spouse gets theirs all first. Ain't nobody going to talk back on that part. I told you all not to have the kids in here during this. <laughs> um. And so, um, particularly men, men, you need to make sure your wife get hers. Amen. Um, uh, you know, unless it's a hookup time, but that's, that's a whole nother sermon, right? But when we look at the verses, look, there, there's not, you're not even touching the person, right? Masturbation is, now, now someone's asking, y'all got all kinds of questions. I can't answer every question this. I know the question, can you masturbate in marriage? Yes. With your spouse, whatever. I'm not going into. I'm. We'll do a set. We'll do a a marital sex session, okay? You know, because I know y'all y'all got all kinds of questions. But what if? But what if? What if we on Facetimes? I wouldn't do it on Facetime. None of that because with your spouse, because you don't know who recording. So do that at your own risk. I'm just being. You know, let the pastor just. Can I be honest? Sometimes help us today. I'm, I'm just. You know. I'm just. I'm just trying to help somebody. Um, bestiality, <laughs> intercourse with an animal. Now, do I even have to exegete that? I hope I don't. Rape, rape, rape um, is sexual immorality. When you rape a person, um, and if you've been raped, it's not your fault. That's what the Bible teaches in Deuteronomy and in Exodus. Oh no, in Deuteronomy 22, 25 to 27, several other places. Incest, wrong. 
sensuality is sexual greediness, debauchery, licentiousness, nudeness. I can go through all of them. But these are just some examples of, of sexual immorality. What are some new forms of sexual immorality? Transgenderism. Uh-oh. Because sexual immorality, is like changing your gender, like, and God didn't create you that. You know, I was watching a video with this transgender um, female. It was originally a male, but became a female and was basically shaming heterosexuals for their for their personal preference for heterosexuality while saying we should just be generally sexually open, which is like, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. Like I empathize with everything, but th that that's like, that's, that's not, I, I don't, I, I, I want to deal with that. I can't deal with that fully in the sermon. And they said the fact that we choose only the, the opposite sex, we're homophobic because of that. I was just like, I'm done. Like I almost wanted to jump out a window when I heard the video because I was just like, y'all, like now we're now we're talking insane type stuff. Like to have sexual attraction, like now I can just man my dog, whatever. Now they're gonna apply that. They got a website where they're applying it to they're trying to petition where adults get to be with children, marry children. It's like this world is crazy, man. Y'all don't think that like sin is bad. Like, like it's some demonic possession, oppression, like like, and I'm not demonizing people in the LGBTQ community. And I'm particularly talking about transgenderism. I, I just think transgenderism is a mutilation of the body. Um, and, and um, yeah, I, I, I can't get on. I'm not going to get into all of it now, but I'm eventually going to talk through these things. In Northern California, they're marrying robots. The heck is wrong with people? What's wrong with y'all? Blow up dolls. Like, what? Like, like you're talking to them. You can marry them. Like, I don't know. And then there's this asexual culture, you know, where um, people are telling their kids, that, you know, I, you know, I didn't get, you know, I was assigned at birth being a man. Assigned, like you were assigned by who? And so there's this culture of raising kids now to not. De define their gender but explore gender that's insanity you don't let a kid kid can't choose what they eat they can't choose what type of diapers this this couple talking about my kid we knew our, ki our kid believed they were a girl at two my son at two i'm gonna just be honest with you now y'all can call me email me rebuke me my son at two is not going to be w choosing to be no woman and that's not going to happen in my house. Now, am I going to shepherd my child that may work through, like, if they grow up and they, as they grow, they're, they're dealing with LGBTQ, am I going to love them? Absolutely. I'm going to love them. I'm going to walk with them. And I'm going to speak truth to them, though. But I'm not going to enter the fantasy world that they're another gender. I'm just not. So, so but, but what I am going to do is I'm going to love them and shepherd them. But know what y'all going to come away from this scene? Somebody's going to take this clip. Somebody's going to use it as a way to weaponize it. Play the whole thing, family, if you want the whole thing. We love people that in the LGBTQ community, we don't agree with the lifestyle. That's, that's it. Like, okay. Um, others, uh, uh, other issues, you know, shacking is another where you live together and you do everything. To, and we're going to talk about oneness in a section. This is going to be like an hour, y'all. I just want to let y'all know. Um, like you merge your life with every commitment except for the ultimate commitment of a lifetime one. 
And so someone is saying, well, why is that wrong? Because, you know, the Bible says avoid the very appearance of evil. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and y'all are living together, you're in sin. Why? You're not sleeping in different rooms. You're not functioning as roommates. Y'all are smashing. Tell the truth. Y'all getting it in. Like, ain't no, let me just, can I, I'm going to just be straight with you. Me and Yvette, if we started living together, fine as my wife is, she walking around in some drawers, I'm getting that. I'm just telling you that right now. I, I mean, she walking around, bra out, all of that, taking a shower. I hear, I can see the mist. I'm going to get that. Like, ain't no going to be in the house, you know, oh, you know, let me know when you're finished. That's not happening. Like, if some of y'all, y'all, y'all think y'all stronger than you are. The Bible said, who can take fire into his bosom and not get burnt? Y'all up in there getting it in. And what it, but what it does is it takes away the beauty of consummation and initiating the relationship from scratch with God at the center. Takes it away. And I want to encourage you if you're shacking, I want to encourage you to figure out a way, even in the pandemic, to separate from the housing from each other, get some premarital counseling, uh, have somebody walk with you, mentor a couple, and then re reinvigorate. I guarantee you God will meet you in it. I just want to encourage you there, family, real quick. Um, <clears throat> other issues, you know, some of y'all date too long. I'm just giving y'all some practical stuff. I'm dating four years. Man, y'all had sex. I don't see how you date somebody, whole hands, sitting in each other's lap, her leg all on your thigh. How you do that for five years? Anyway, maybe I'm, I'm just, that's Eric Mason. Um, we already talked about porn. So look at what he says in verse 14. He says, like, let me just tell y'all something. I know I'm not strong, so I don't do something to, to test my strength. I'm weak, so I just put all kinds of guards up because I know I'll look at porn. I'll run out and have a cut of adultery. I'll have five chicks on the side. Listen, I know me. And some of y'all don't know you, women to include it. I can't go out and sip at the club and some girl grind on me in the front like that. And we go, and she start backing it up. It's, man, we going home. Just, so y'all need to quit playing. <laughs> you fool I'm just I'm just trying to like cause y'all be I see y'all Instagram y'all all be sitting around y'all got cognac and all kinds of liquor out man and everybody fine everybody fine legs out arms swollen everybody fine somebody getting it in y'all listen y'all but y'all you know I'm just a pastor just a dumb old man you know <laughs> you understand what I'm saying you know, then he says, verse 14, right? He says at verse 14, he says, um, he says, God raised up the Lord Jesus and will raise us up by his power. Why would he put that there? Why would he put that there? He's using the body. He's doing a theology of the body. And he's talking about God raising us up from the dead and he's using the resurrection as an eschatological reality to say, you're going to get a new body that's going to be with God. Why not live in light of that reality now? <laughs> let, your, let the resurrection in your new body be a motivation for how you live in this body. That's, that's, that's beautiful. It's for the Lord. It's for the presence of the Lord. You know, some of you may be looking at me like, Pastor, I'm down. Like, I understand this resurrected life stuff, but... 
how do how do I deal with all of this? Well, number one, one of the things that I want you to understand is that Jesus' death and resurrection is comes to repurpose our lives. The gospel comes to repurpose you, comes to repurpose all of our brokenness. That's what the gospel does. And it reminds me, um, Bernie, uh, Pastor Doug's son, Doug, my son in the ministry, his son, Bernie, my nephew, he has a restoration company. And what he does is he basically looks on the side of the road or goes somewhere and gets dressers and all types of wood wooden items that or, or, or metal that is just a, looks a mess that someone has given up on. What he does is he takes it, takes that trash, he fixes whatever needs fixing, he sands it down, uh, and once he sands it down, he restains it, and then once he stains it, he seals it, and he sells this stuff for five hundred, a thousand plus dollars. Something that was thrown on the side of the road, something that was seen as nothing anymore. He goes, he fixes what was broken, he strips it down, he 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 he, he restains it, and he seals it. That's what God does for us in the gospel. He 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 fixes our brokenness. He removes and strips down the things on us that have messed us up. But then from there, he fixes our brokenness and he restains us with the gospel of Jesus Christ and then he repurposes us and seals us by the spirit <laughs> that's what the gospel does and so that's why Paul starts getting real practical with him now he gave them theology now he starts giving them some practical stuff he says do he said don't you know stop there it's interesting why is he saying don't you know because a stronghold is mental so he says don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body He's giving, this is simple. This is not even need deep exegesis. He says, so should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? He's using prostitute as a superlative illustration of any type of sexual immorality. He's not just trying to say prostitutes are the worst people. But in their culture, prostitution was a huge challenge, particularly among men. He says, absolutely not. So did you know he's trying to help them to understand that? That's why, in other words, he's trying to say, I want your motivation for sexuality to change. It's just like Joseph. Joseph, when Potiphar's wife was trying to get at him, you know, he was out there, you know, he was out there, you know, uh, you know, he was their, their slave and he was, you know, he got his little shirt, his little shirt off showing his little Israelite pecs and he's out there, pecatory in his arms and he's, you know, swabbing the deck and she looking at him like, mm. And then she say, sleep with me. You know, he, she, she want an older lady you know he's 17 she older he's 17 put the math together y'all you know and um he got a chance to get him some old woman older woman some more experienced woman but it's interesting that when she pressed him he didn't use man i don't i don't i don't want to i don't want to hurt potiphar i don't want to do i don't want to you know in our world we say i don't want to get a sexually transmitted disease what if you get pregnant no he said how can i do this sin against god in other words, the motivation for sexual purity is God, not the results of the sin. <laughs> and so we can't, that, that never kept, how, how many of us, can I, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep it all the way a buck. How many of us have played crap with our body parts, craps with our body parts? What I mean by that? How many of y'all, somebody was so fine, there was no contraceptive around, you were just like, I'm just, I, I'm just going for it. That wasn't a motivation. 
Like the sex was the motivation. Like so 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 again like not getting a disease or not getting pregnant ain't enough for many of us. And I know back in the day when I was out in the world, I I I, I made some risk that I thank God God didn't fully give me. I took some risk. Well, I shouldn't be here. I should have all kinds of syphilis and AIDS and chlamydia. Y'all ain't gonna talk real with me. None of that was a motivation. I needed the gospel to help me to understand that, that, that this needs to end. And so he says, so should, you, should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Why does he say that? He's going to do two levels. He's going to talk about the corporate effects of sexual immorality and the individual effects. The corporate effects. Where do I get that from? First Corinthians chapter five, one through eight. The chapter before this talks about a man having his father's wife sex. What ends up happening is is not dealing with sexual immorality on an individual basis as it happens in the church. Help me today. Ends up building a culture of sexual promiscuity. That's why the text says a little bit of leaven, leaven the whole lump. And I'm going to talk crazy. I don't care what you say to me. Some churches got pastors who are out here sexing down the flock. Uh Uh-oh. And you wonder why the church is carnal. You got folk in the congregation that aren't being engaged. Some of y'all think loving people is not saying nothing about their sin and just giving them like five years to repent while they, while they knocking down everything in the church. That ain't how I work, family. And I'm saying this from my place of brokenness, knowing what I'm capable of, and y'all should go off on me and rebuke me and challenge me if I start knocking down people in the flock. Because what happens is, is the corporate effects, it affects the entire body. And not only that, it has a missiological effect on the body. Because when the, this is application, because when we are known for our sexual immorality versus our love for one another, we're branded as a sexually immoral, hypocritical entity, and we don't have any moral uh, fabric or fiber or authority to even share the gospel. How are you going to share the gospel with the dude you're sleeping with? How are you gonna sleep with her? And some, you know, and then some of y'all sleeping with dudes, and then to bring them to church, and want us to minister to them. But you gonna go right out to church down to Center City, have a drink and eat, and then go home, and y'all gonna smash and get up next morning. Come on, family, what we talking about? And you think he gonna get saved? You think he gonna get saved? You trying to jam him up about salvation and you're functioning no differently than him? Same with you, brother. You're going through all these women, but you waxing eloquent. Ain't nobody trusting Christ around you. It has an effect on us all. It does. But look at verse 16. <laughs> it says, don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one with her? It's crazy. It's one with her. It says, right here it says, for scripture says the two shall become uno. Dos become uno. That's the purpose. Attach oneself. Establish a relationship with someone. In other words, sex between a man and a woman is the signal of covenantal initiation and consummation. 
Whenever you have sex with someone, God views that as a marital beginning. <laughs> Y'all not hearing me. When he says the two shall become one, that was pointing to consummation as a part of the marital covenant. Look at what it says. That's why he says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 23 to 25, he says, and, and the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds to his wife and they become one flesh. This whole idea of bonding means to stick important because whenever you have i'm not talking about some soul ties mess that's some that's some old spooky stuff but i am talking about body ties in other words there's an initiation of a covenant with everybody you have sex with in the mind of god and when you when what turns it into fornication is a lack of commitment that's why in the levirate law when they got married one of the things that they would do is they would lay down a sheet and what they would do is they would go into the room, have sex. They would pull it out. If it was blood on it, she was a virgin. They would take it, make sure the elders saw it. Boom, the marriage was viewed as a consummation or they had a decision to make. But again, again, this is very, I don't have time to break down all of the Levite law, but oneness was a huge thing in ancient Israel among the Hebrews. It says they become one flesh because the, he says they were naked and unashamed in verse 25. What happens is, is when you have sex and initiate a covenant, you know, when you're naked, it means without the fear of exploitation. When it says unashamed, it means, uh, 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 matter of fact, naked means I don't have any baggage that I'm bringing to this covenant as a way for me to maximize to grow in oneness with you. I know this is a lot. Ashamed means free from bad experiences that inhibit my ability to start from ground one, ground zero with you. That's why we need the gospel, because all of us have so many sexual relations. Many of us have people we done slept with, emotional baggage that we're carrying around, and we need those strongholds to be killed. I, I, oh, God, help me. I got more, but I, I'm, I'm going to land this plane. Says, but anyone joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. Verse 17. He just says, flee sexual immorality. He says, everyone, every sin that one commits is outside the body, but a person who is sexually immoral, immoral sins against his own body. So when you're sinning against your body, your body ends up awakening. It awakens things like many of you know that if you were addicted to porn like I was, when you stop doing it, your body goes back to when you when God blesses you, you go back to regularity of but soon as you see some 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 flash time on the thing and, and you masturbate or you have sex it reawakens those desires and recharges that fallenness that's bodily and y'all not gonna talk back to me it's okay um it says Verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temp, a temple? You're not the church. You're not the temple. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. In other words, you are a temple, brother. Sister, you are a temple. Even if you lost your virginity and you've had 20 partners, 
Even if you've made the greatest mistakes, now you're a temple now, family. Now, now because of Christ, death on the cross, you are now, listen, you are now a temple. You're a tabernacle of God's presence. And now there's a demand on it. You know, there's a, there's a brand new demand on it. Listen, um, our couch, we had a messed up couch that we had for years. We loved it. It was comfortable, but it was time to, uh, time, time to um, get a new one. We got a new couch. When we got a new couch, the kids wanted to jump on it. We treated it differently because it's new. Kids couldn't just jump on it. They couldn't eat on it. They couldn't do any of that because it's a new couch. Treat your salvation like that. Your salvation, teach your body based on how your salvation views it. God views your body now as that new couch that shouldn't just be haphazardly used. <laughs> says, he says, for you were bought with a price. He uses the gospel as a motivation for you to walk in sexual purity and freedom. Remember, he's not just talking about not having sex. He's talking about how to do it on God's terms. Glorify your God in your body. I'm practically going to lay this out. I'm pretty much done. So last but not least, you got to renew your mind on God's purpose for sex in marriage and for sex, period, but particularly sex in marriage. Number one, sex is for consummation. Genesis 2.23 Number two, sex is for procreation. 128, sex is for recreation. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19 is for protection, is for connection, and is for preservation. Let me go through these real quick. Consummation begins the marriage, marital covenant. Procreation, creating children. Recreation, enjoying each other. <laughs> he said, be exhilarated by her breasts at all times. That's a, that's a euphemism meaning y'all enjoy each other. And just sex is to be enjoyed. It's for protection. Don't go long times not having sex with each other. Then he says connection to it basically said you need to come together and connect, connect. And then preservation. The Bible says the marriage bed should be undefiled. In other words, my marital passions and commitment should only be for that person. So it's for consummation, procreation, recreation, protection and connection. Do y'all hear me? And so, and so, and so, so, so now begin to renew your mind on this. This is, you should know this now when you trying to, when you, when you want to get it in with somebody, renew your mind on this. Oh man, it starts a covenant. Oh man, this is supposed to create other human beings who would glorify God. Oh, this is for marital enjoyment. Oh, this is for protecting the marriage from either one going outside of the marriage to fulfill what God has ordained the marriage for. Um, protection to uh, 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 um, connection to reconnect to make sure that we're not having times apart. It's unhealthy for us to do that. And then finally, preservation to keep the marriage bed undefiled and preserving it and helping the covenant of marriage to move on. Man, I can go on and on all day about this family, but I want to encourage you that how do you remove sexual strongholds? You identify the bad ways of thinking that you and I have about sex. And you introduce your mind and heart at the same time simultaneously to these ideas in sex. At the end of the day, you can get all the covenant eyes and all that stuff you want. But if your mind isn't renewed about sex, you can't overcome it. Overcoming it means changing your mind about it. And when your mind is changed about it, that's what the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And once your mind is renewed, then you can present your body as a living sacrifice. But your body, your body can't be a living sacrifice until your mind has been trained in truth. So anyway, I'm done.
I want to take a time to offer you the opportunity to meet Jesus as Savior. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to place your confidence in his death, in his resurrection, in the fact that he died on the cross for you and was raised up. Why did he need to die on the cross? Because of all of our sin, our separation from him, our imperfections, our failures, and our nature. But Jesus Christ, listen, died on the cross, lived the life that we could never live, died the death that we could never die, got up from the grave that we could never get up from in order to take us by faith in what he did for us from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you believe that, you're saved. In the comments, let us know that you want to have someone contact you um, we'll put the email there. They'll matter of fact, let's do it that way. We put the email there. They'll put it in the comment byline. And that is what we want to do. Finally, before we do communion, if you need help renewing your mind and overcoming sexual strongholds, I, I, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes and bow your head. I want to pray with you. I want to pray first for those who trusted Jesus. And then in that same prayer, I want to pray for those who are struggling, wrestling with strongholds sexually. Father, I pray for those who trusted Jesus, that they would get connected and not just let this fizzle into something else and act like nothing happened. If their life has been changed by you, um, there's a demand and mandate on their life. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for everyone who is sexually struggling. I'm pretty much saying 99% of the people are. <laughs> it's a fight for us all to do things your way. For the singles who are alone a lot, touch them. For those who are relationally bored, touch them. For those who are bound, whether in marriage and out of marriage, touch them, Lord God. We're not making fun of anyone's struggles, Lord God. We just want to see people made new. And we come against the enemy in their life. The Lord rebuke you. You must leave. You're not welcomed in Jesus' name. And we believe on you and believe in we believe on Jesus's work to restore your mind and heart, to be able to see things from God's perspective, that you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify him, Lord God. Help them to remember for freedom Christ has set them free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Break every band and shackle, Lord God. And for those being molested, give them a rescuer. For those who have been raped, give them a re help them to have rescue. God, in the name of Jesus. And God, we're trusting and believing that you're going to do a work that none of us have seen in our lives to be able to see our lives renewed. Help people that need to get married to get married. Help those who are single to remain healthy in single, singleness and those who are married who have been living in the same house but existing in the same house but not living together. Restore their marriage and if there's abuse and adultery, Lord God, help them to know that they have biblical measures that they can follow as well. God, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup he took the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After this Passover meal, he took the cup and again, Jesus Christ is fasting now from drinking. But in the kingdom, he's going to drink new wine, new aged wine with us together.
But until then, he tells us to practice by meditating on him and let us drink together. Father, I pray for us that you would dismiss us in your care and that you would do in our lives only what you can do. Now unto him who is able to present you faultless with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said, amen. God bless you. Love you. Lord, say the same. See you next week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.